On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. You just try and satisfy Carlos Alberto Diego. Not an easy thing to do, but we try and do it every Wednesday when he joins us. G'day, Carlos. How are you there? Half no shenanigans from me because I'm an earnest... Earnest? Uh, oracle of football. Can you be the earnest an oracle? Earnest oracle. I don't know. Yeah. I've never used, heard yeah. those two words I don't know. I just put them together. I don't think anyone in the history of world football reporting has ever used those two words in the same sentence. But anyway. Or the world has <laughs> ever true. used those two words in the same sentence. An earnest oracle. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay with that for the moment until you prove otherwise. What's doing? What's doing? Uh, oh, geez. i tell you what. There is a big story, of course. The big story is the refereeing around the A-League and uh, we're on a day where we should be talking about the, the fantastic spectacle that was a three-all draw between Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC on the weekend. What a game that was. Mighty controversy. Uh, it was because of the refereeing, but uh, but you know, we should be talking about the brilliant goals. Uh, Barbarous' involvement in both goals and uh, you know his finish for the first one. Uh, you know, the, the scoring of Finkler in that second, with the second goal, the Barbarous' helped build uh and then the performances of um you know of, of you know the young guys from melbourne victory and and uh, at times they, they they played such scintillating football uh and then you know sydney coming back with cherry antonis and shane smells uh scoring two goals in that second half and just a nail-biting game uh, on a day we should be talking about all that stuff uh we have a refereeing decision to talk about and uh it was again probably a refereeing decision that embarrasses Australian football if anyone around the world had seen it. And I'm pretty sure I don't have to sort of talk people through it, but of course it had to do with the Sebastian Ryle, uh, you know, um, uh, non-tackle. Falling over. Falling over in the penalty area uh, with a penalty going to Sydney at a time when really Melbourne victory were controlling the game and suddenly built momentum for Sydney. But it's, it's a type of error that's happening in the A-League at the moment that's getting everyone talking about the standard of refereeing. And I'd like to throw out there as a hot topic today, yes. without you know, bringing up ideas of maiming referees and physically assaulting no, referees, no, nothing that. like that because that's not going to happen. Uh, what do we do about the standard of refereeing in the A-League so far uh, going forward, really? And I think what you say at the, at the top, Carlos, is right, that uh, it would be lovely to be talking about the, the terrific contest on Saturday night between Sydney and Melbourne. But this, it seems, from what I'm hearing anyway, Carlos, and you'd know better than me, is that this type, this decision on Saturday night was just the straw. The straw that broke the back of the supporters, of, of the people within the game, that's saying, what's been happening, not just mm. on Saturday night, but what's been happening through the last couple of years in the A-League, from the refereeing point of view, is not good enough. Yep. That's, that's what it seems to me. I know that was contentious and clearly... Um, an emotional one for a lot of people because of the involvement and the tension of the game at the time too, which was really good. But it's the straw that's broken the back, really. Mm. And that's why it's got, I think, that's why it's got so much coverage because it's got to stop. And yeah. that's, what, that's what the message I keep hearing through the SMSs and all the, the shows that have been talking about this through the last couple of days and even on, on Fox Sports uh, through the weekend as well. This level of refereeing has got to stop. It's got to yeah. be better. 
Mm. And it's, we're not talking about those 50-50 that you need to look at three you know, replays from different angles to make a decision because you've got to give the referees a benefit of doubt in those situations because yeah. if we need three replays um, you know, and they've got to make a, spot, a decision on the spot, they're going to get some right and some wrong. Uh, we're talking about incidences this season in particular that are so clearly wrong. And it's not that referees are, are blindsided or whatever, or, or unsided when they're when they're uh, you know when they're adjudicating on these things. They're actually in good positions and they're still calling really bad decisions. And um, and Shred Ray Delosky, who was the referee in question on the weekend, he's one guy that's actually quite respected. I, mean, I know Victory supporters and, and Kevin Muskett will probably laugh at what I've said because they've quoted four times in the last twelve months where he's uh, he's made some really bad decisions against them. But generally, if you speak to players around the A-League, Shrebray is one of the referees that they respect. Uh, yes, he's had, he has had his bad moments with victory in the last 12 months or so, but uh, but generally he's pretty good. And, you know, guys like Chris uh, uh, Griffiths-Jones and Peter Green, and there's a lot of referees out there at the moment have, good, have got good relationships with players. Mm. Uh, but there is a perception out there at the moment that uh, there's a lot of enmity and also uh, bitterness between players and referees, uh, and uh, and that's more so shown up in incidences that involve someone like a Ben Williams. Yeah. And and Ben was involved in a in an FFA Cup uh, you know uh, issue with Sydney and Adelaide, I believe, where he sent off Petkovic uh, when with a non-tackle, and it was just out of the blue and it really. Uh, change the game. Uh, of course, in the Asian Cup, we saw the uh, quarterfinals between uh, Iran and also Iraq when he sent off a player for so-called simulation, really, when he should have used common sense at the time. And what makes it worse with someone like a Ben Williams is he's quoted in the paper last week. I don't know if you saw this half, but he came out, was interviewed by a journo, and you don't get a lot of... I can't remember the last time where a referee was quoted in the paper. A whole article <laughs> was about him talking about how ill-informed everyone else who criticises him is. And he was referring to the John Aloisi caning him on the Fox Sports coverage once he made that decision in their Iraq or Iran game. And John Aloisi got quite personal and said, look, he harbours a grudge. He's a, he's a referee that you don't want to get offside because he will remember. He's got a memory like an elephant. And he'll remember and he'll get you back down the track. Now, when you've got that perception... Now, I would never, ever cast that aspersion on any referee, especially mm. in the professional field. Uh, but when you've got that perception out there between players and referees, uh, they, there's a real problem. And, uh, and, and we even see some players, you know, with the advent of social media, coming out very strongly on social media, commenting on referees' um, performances in games that they're watching on TV. You know, you just, yep. you're getting this now where it's us versus them mentality. And that is a perception that we need to sort out straight away. Well, that needs to be stamped out from the yeah. office, that does. Particularly mm. from the players um, during games that they're watching. I mean, you can't have that sort of tension and animosity towards the officiating um, uh, rulers in, in any sport. doesn't matter what, what it is. You, you can't have that. So that's got to be clamped down just purely from a PR point of view too. But that's not good. This mm. us against them thing is, is fine within the walls because, you know, and it shouldn't be because you're, you're the them is the opposition. Mm. Them it shouldn't be the referee. And it's easy to blame referees and umpires and and officials in, in sports when things aren't going well for you. Yep. That's a cop-out for everyone. We all do that in different sports. But you can't be having that going on via the social media these days. Carlos, what you've done today is got uh, a lot of people talking. Pandora's box. Plenty of people want to have a chat to you. Just before we get to our calls, let's have a listen to Kevin Musket talking about that situation specifically on Saturday night. It wasn't questionable. It was just non-existent. So far from being a penalty. Unfortunately, there's a, there's a group of players through there who... Um, who are accountable for all their actions 
because I make them. Uh, and it just seems at the moment where the, the two sets of teams are not deciding the outcome of a game. Because at that point in time, uh, my perspective was we were very, very comfortable. Uh, we, we just missed a chance to go up 3-1 through Adrian Lay's header. Uh, and then the momentum was turned, not by the opposition, but by the referee. Uh, Kevin Muscat after the game on Saturday night. We'll get some calls, Carlos. T- Steve in Auburn is first up. G'day, Steve. G'day, folks. Great uh, conversation. I uh, I never played soccer. I enjoy watching the A-League, though, and the Asian Cup was brilliant. The one thing that I find glaringly obvious, and, and maybe I'm living in the wrong universe, but uh, I cannot understand for the life of me why these blokes that push their competitive edge to the point where they effectively cheat, aren't sanctioned. The guy that, that tripped over his own foot and fell over to get a penalty, the bloke shouldn't be playing for the next two weeks. Well, we'll that'll find take out. A lot of pressure off, that'll take a lot of pressure off the referees with these idiot decisions that are made. We'll find out more tonight. Sebastian Riles, a player you're referring to from Sydney FC, who is fronting the match review panel today being cited for simulation, Carlos. So we'll, that will go some way, and we'll see what happens with that, Steve. And there is also... Uh, it's actually the FFA leading the leading the world in a anti-diving uh, sort of code of conduct. Yep. Uh, that, uh, that, that's why Seb Riles is being sort of uh, cited for this. So he could get a mandatory two-game ban if they decide that he has deliberately simulated. Now, what could complicate this a little bit is that there was minimal contact, but it wasn't uh, deliberate contact by Finkler. I think uh, Seb Roll fell over his own feet and touched. Was there contact with Finkler? Uh, I, I, look, I, 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 thought, I thought there was something, just a, a very, very slight contact, but it was nothing that, I mean, it was, a, it was Seb Roll falling into Finkler. More, more of his sort of the lower part of his leg, so he may get away with uh, against the simulation for that. But it certainly wasn't the foul, and it was just like any other contact you would get. Uh, actually, minimal contact, less contact than you would get any other time on the football pitch. Am I right in saying, Carlos? Thank you, Steve, for your call. Stand the line. I'm going to give you uh, thanks to Oris Switch Watches, the official sponsor of the Avalon Air Show, a double pass to see the Air Show, valued at sixty bucks. Oris Switch Watches, real watches for real people. The air show is 27th of Feb to March the 1st. Tickets on sale at Ticketmaster. Um, am I right in saying, Carlos, that the diving issue in the A-League has been um, seriously reduced you know, since they've gone for this campaign, this policy to, to anti-dive, this anti-diving yep. Policy. Yeah, oh, I haven't seen too many of these anything like. What we saw look, we were like, we're lucky in Australia because it's not part of our culture, and we don't get a lot of it anyway. Uh, but the FFA, to their credit, they've come out strongly, and even coaches like Graham Arnold, uh, you know, once a player does something like that, uh, they have quiet words to their own players that that's not something that they want to reflect in the game in Australia. So, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be a big issue here in Australia. But I'm glad the FFA have got that provision of a two-match ban if they are guilty of uh, deliberate simulation. Well, that's the MRP issue today in the A-League. Uh, Sebastian Ryle facing the MRP as is uh, Bessar Barisha. We'll talk about that through the afternoon as well. Plenty of calls after the break. We'll get to them with Carlos Alberto Diego. Oh, you've got them talking today. A lot of SMSs, a lot of calls uh, off the SMS. In Ryle's defence, he didn't appeal for a penalty. The ref was quick to roll McGraw on the whistle. Well, he threw the arms yep. out looking up for something, so I reckon I disagree with that, but we'll see what uh, the MRP say about that. Um, what about this one? Full-time referees, please, says Anonymous. I don't think that that helps. I mean, what are they going to do during the day? Well, well, it's interesting, Half, because I, if you look at that incident on the weekend, Shrebray, and I've spoken to people high up in the refereeing 
you know, industry yep. uh, and, and asked the questions, was it a wrong decision first? They said, yes, it was a wrong decision. Yep. Secondly, was Shrebray in the right position to call the right decision? They said, yep. yes. Now, he was something like 10 metres away he from it. He wasn't far away. No, no he wasn't far away, and he had full view, according to what we could see, and so he was in the right position. Now, whether it was full-time or not, wouldn't have made any difference to that decision there. But having spoken to referees who have coached, who sorry, refereed in the NSL yep. and also A-League because they've still had to do the same sort of travelling around the place, you know, you get referees going to Perth, for example, from Melbourne. These guys have got full-time jobs. They've got to go to Perth, do a Sunday night game. They take their red eye back to Australia, back to Melbourne, and they they get in at five thirty, and most of them have to go straight to work that night. On the Monday night, they have a referees uh, sort of a a hookup, a yep. phone hookup around the nation yep. with all the referees, and they talk about contentious issues, uh, and they go frame by frame about what went wrong and what should have been happening and how they coach that. Right? Yep. That takes a couple of hours. They train three nights a week on the top of that. And most of these guys are professional people, by the way. They're not just uh, students who are referees and they've got time during the day. Yeah. They work full-time, full responsibility, managerial-type roles. It would be really hard to, not on that decision there, but it would be really hard to get the appropriate training into them for that situation. Now, I believe the issue in that That's decision there was the, what the hell was the assistant referee doing? Did he communicate? Because he was on that right side. Obviously, yep. for Shrebray to give that decision, he was obviously Geith Flinker was in, in, in sort of in his line of sight. Yep. Uh, Seb fell over in the back, and he obviously made it because he thought there was contact. The refer- the assistant referees on the other side, adjacent to that, yep. ten meters away, fifteen meters away. What was he doing? Now, if he was communicating with Shrebray, how how forceful was that communication? How clear was it? Because What's he doing? So maybe this communication between assistant ref uh, and their influence on, on the decision and the central referee. Could be improved. That's the question. Uh, it's just on that full-time umpire thing, we just had the briefing with the AFL. I've mentioned that a few times to the listeners already. And, and Wayne Campbell was saying, because it's, it's something that's called for in the AFL as well, you've got to be full-time umpires. Mm. He goes, but you actually don't get... The only time you actually practice umpiring, <laughs> funnily enough, yeah. is on game day. Mm. Because that's the situation where you've got to be able to adjudicate. You can do it what you like through training, but it's never going to be yep. what it is on game day. And you can't, you know, imagine the umpires playing a, a game of, of footy. I don't think that'd be too too uh, intense, yep. uh, playing footy or training at Waverley or wherever they are they at Victoria Park these days and trying to rotate the umpires just to, ref, to, uh, to yep. umpire that. The only practice you get is game day in, yep. these, in these sports. Yeah, no, you're right. So there's no point being full time yeah. as long as you're fit enough, as long as you've got the basics, yeah. and do your training mm. uh, outside of your work hours, and that's the choice you make as, a, as an employee of, of both uh, of both jobs, yeah. the, the day job and the and the FFA. You make that choice. So that's your call. You've got to work with that. Uh, there's actually no way that full time training is going to help you. No, I, I agree. And, 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 and if you look at game. even the Ben Williams decisions that have been so contentious this season in the Asian Cup and also in the A League, he's been in good position to make those calls. In fact, there was one where he was so close to the action, no other player was closer to him, to, to, that, to the incident, than he was. Mm. So they get in the right position. Their fitness is fine, right? They're just not reading or not using common sense in that decision or not using the other, the other referees, the assistant referees around them. I mean, I believe, and I've spoken to a couple of referees about this, and they would be actually fully on board if this was the attitude where even if Shrebray made that decision, and it's so contentious that even after making the decision, giving the penalty, going to the assistant referee and say, listen, have I got that wrong? And if then they've decided that he has got it wrong, 
to say, listen, I got it wrong. Let's reverse this. If it was a dive, you yellow card Shreb, uh, Seb Ryle and you, you know, give him a free kick, give Victory a free kick. Or if it wasn't just a drop ball in or out around the area. Yep. Because it was so clear, every player in that pitch would not be, uh, you know, confrontational with the referee. They'd cop it sweet and move on. If it was so clear that it wasn't a penalty. Well, that's the other thing I'd be cleaning up straight away. If there's any confrontation with referees, I'd just be keep yep. pulling cards. Yep. Saying, we're not top copping that anymore. No. Like, we're not diving. We're not copping confrontation with referees. You can talk to me, yep. but do not get in my face. Do not abuse me. Otherwise, it's just card central. Yeah. I'll just be I wonder dealing them out willy-nilly. Uh, it'd be interesting because before the, before the Asian Cup, there was about two or three weeks where victory was a, the culprits here a couple of times where they were mob handling the referee a little bit, getting in their faces. Uh, there's a couple of ugly incidences. I thought it's creeping back in here. But since the Asian Cup... To be fair to the players and the coaches, there's not been a lot of that on match day. There's been a lot of explosion afterwards in press conference and stuff. Uh, yeah, where, where coaches have come out very strongly. Graham Arnold was fined a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, but uh, but there's not been a lot of in-your-face you know, player to referee that we saw just before the Asian Cup. All right, let's get some calls. Terry's on the road. G'day, Terry. Uh, good afternoon, Hart. Carlos. How are you, Terry? The, the A-League's been tremendously boosted by imported players with good credentials and coaches. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. Would it be practical to do that with two or three international referees? Again, the issue is if they're full-time, you can do that, I think. Uh, and, uh, and look, I know we're trying to build a lot of relationships with Asia, uh, and I know a lot of our referees tend to go into Asia and referee a lot of the youth tournaments, especially the Asian Cup-type youth co- tournaments and, uh, and you know, big games in the Asian Champions League. Uh, but to have Asian referees coming to, coach, uh, to do a- uh, Australian A-League games, I don't know whether that's practical. I'm not sure whether they're any better than us anyway. Um, yeah, it, it, good question. And I suppose if you're going to get the top, top referees, they're going to come from Europe or South America. Why would they come here? Yeah, they, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, I, I just don't know whether it's practical to do that. Um, but, you know, maybe to come in and do some training or something. Uh, some, of our, some of the referees who are the head of the training courses have actually gone to World Cups and been very respected referees and they're Australian. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if it's practical, Terry, but, I mean, that's certainly one of the ideas that people have been floating. Thanks, Terry, for your involvement. John's on the road. G'day, John. G'day, gentlemen. Look, um, just uh, regarding the refereeing, they're in a position where they're damned if you do, they're damned if you don't. You know, the, um, the decision on with Ryle and Finkler, uh, you know, like the referee's called what he's seen. Now, he's seen Ryle fall out of the corner of his eye, seen him put his hands up, and he's, he's, he's called, called the, um, the, for the foul. Yep. But that's not the issue. The, the issue is, is, the source of the issue is, is that Ryle dove and simulated a free kick. That's what you need to eradicate in order for the referees not to be put in this predicament where then they're manhandled by other players and you've got the whole world that's about to, to kill them before they leave the, the, the stadium. So if you, if you sanction Ryle with five to six weeks, I guarantee you nobody else is going to simulate because they're going, they're going to know that they're going to cop it sweet. They're going to cop it hard. Well, they've got the anti-diving policy that he's got to front up to, um, and uh, and well, he's cited for that. We spoke about that off-air yeah. during the break, that if there were more cards for that, mm. it would be, A, there'd be less players, as, as John is referring to, doing it on the weekend, getting involved in that sort of activity, and there'd be an enormous respect for the rest for taking charge and saying, mate, yep. we are not copping that. Here's your card. One more of them and you're outski. The, only, the only problem with deliberate simulation is that some players do it so well, the referees don't pick it up 
at that moment. But what they've done well this time is that the match review panels had a look at it and they said, yes, there's a case there for deliberate simulation. So now he's fronting up. So whether the referee, I mean, the referees pick it up and they penalise it, fantastic. And I think most referees will do that. Uh, sometimes they're reluctant because they might get it wrong. It might not be a, you know, you're really trying to work out whether someone's premeditated in what they're doing. But certainly um, afterwards, you go them hard. And if there's an automatic two-game ban, you give it to them. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't get it because it seems like to me that it was simulation. But I just wonder with that little bit of contact whether he might be able to get away with it on the technicality. I'll tell you who is good at it. Uh, Wayne Rooney's good at drawing. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yesterday's one against Preston. And oh, yeah. It, nothing happened. He just jumped no. over the keeper's legs and hit the deck and it was a penalty. Yeah, it's interesting how Preston have no voice. They're a League One team and they lost the game and so everyone's going to forget about them. But that's as clear a dive as you could ever see. And I don't see a lot of noise coming out of the UK against Wayne Rooney at the moment. Mm, yeah. Or the referee, by the way. Uh, Brendan's in Greensboro. G'day, Brendan. Oh, I was in Greensboro. I'm nearly in the city now, Dan. Oh, great to have you. <laughs> that's a nice quick trip then, Brendan. Yeah, I know. Uh, just a quick comment and then a solution as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Kevin Musket said he was 100 metres away and because he's in touch with the game and to play the game, he could see that it wasn't a penalty. I'm also in touch with the game and I saw it from bloody Melbourne and told them <laughs> that it wasn't a penalty. Now, my solution is the penalty is given, OK? The penalty goes on, it goes ahead. In the meantime, Stradbray, you connect, you contact the fourth official. They have a look at the video replay on a number of occasions for different angles while the penalty is being taken, okay? Once he gets the word back, and by this time everything would have been done, he gets the word back from the fourth official, definitely a dive, definitely not a penalty, goal disallowed, red card for Ryle, and the game goes on. Simple. Actually, Brendan, you know, um, Costa Barbarous has made a really good point. Generally with the contentious issues like that, there's a lot of pushing and shoving and arguing. It goes on for about a minute, right? Yeah. While that all happens, you get someone, I mean, that was so clear. Uh, you know, on video, it takes so long to take the penalty because everyone's arguing and, and debating it and, you know, and acting like they're injured and all that, that you've got enough time to do it then and there. You really have. You're, you're wasting a minute anyway. So that's Costa Barber really is... a really good point from Costa. <laughs> he's that's made a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, this idea that we're wasting time, how can you stop the game? Well, you're going to get arguments anyway, and that's what stops the game. So if people know it's going to be reviewed, you won't get the ugliness of an argument and the fracker around the referee. Uh, you'll get people actually waiting for the result, and it'll be a fair result because people can then look at it in a deliberate sort of a way and make their decision on good evidence. Uh, the, I like that, uh, Brendan. The fact you're nearly in the city, you can just pop into Ribera's restaurant, $100 voucher coming your way. Port Melbourne or North Melbourne, just Google Ribera's and the rest is easy. What about something as simple as this, Carlos? Just further to that, the video ref, slash fourth umpire, whatever they want to call it. Um, Rugby League have done this in recent years. They've in, 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 initiated a second ref. Yes. Could they do that? It, on, on the field, on you the, mean? On the field, yeah. Oh. Like two central referees. Well, it's not un, it's not unheard of to have another referee uh, that's not a not a, uh, a sideline referee, but more a byline referee behind the goals. Yeah, you have one yeah. in front of the play, one behind the play. Yeah, they, they, we have that around the world. We have it in, in youth tournaments. They've tried that a number of times. They've got to do something. They can't ignore uh, the fact that these blatant errors are being made. This, I mean, these embarrassing ones I'm talking about. Yeah. 
they're the ones you've got to stamp out. You lose all credibility if you can't get those right. Straw, Camel, back. 25 to 2, Carlos is with us back shortly. 20 to 2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us talking the world game and the controversy in the weekend. How can we improve it? How do we get it better? That's the outcome we're after here, Carlos. It's easy to sit back and just lay boots in, but what do we do better? We're trying to get to the bottom of that this afternoon. And there's plenty of people who want to have their say. Still more issues to talk about as well. I want to bring up Bessart Barisha shortly, but Daniel's on the road. Good day, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you going? Good, Good mate. Uh, yeah, look, I'm not going to disagree. You're right. That was a dive. You know, it should be punished accordingly, and so be it. But I'm going to sort of fast forward a bit. Everybody's talking about that incident, uh, you know, decided the outcome of the game, and, you know, we can say it swayed um, momentum and all that sort of thing. But you've got to remember, after that, the victory went up 2-3. Ansel kicked a goal, yep. and then set Kevin Musket, subbed on two strikers, when they're in front with Thomas to go. There's other decisions that, yeah. uh, you know, alter the outcome of the game. And he sat there and blamed the whole umpire and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you can say lots of things, but it wasn't the only thing that uh, changed the outcome of the game. Yeah, spot on, Daniel. No, and then I, I can, t- I, you know, when a, when a, a coach comes out and says that that refereeing decision decide the game, well, that's garbage. Mm, it, that it's, garbage. It doesn't because the missed goals, the holes at the back that conceded the goals, the tackle by Jason Guerrier, uh, you know, the untimely tackle there, the, the lack of marking on, uh, on Smeltz with the looping header. I mean, there's all those things that went wrong. Uh, and that led to Melbourne victory losing the game. So where the coaches lose me, and Arnie's done this and Muskie's done this at times, talks about that decision deciding the game. A run refereeing decision does not decide the game. In fact, referees don't decide the game. It's, it's all, in the whole scheme of things, it's your team that will decide whether you win or lose. But certainly, um, you know, if you talk about momentum and, and things like that, yeah, it does, does affect it. But at the same time, uh, Victory came back into the game and scored immediately uh, with Ansel, a fantastic goal, and they should have grabbed that momentum back. You were talking about, thank you, Dan, stay on the line yeah. too, but Tokyo Australian League Ham's coming your way. Dinner for four to Brodow Riley, Friday night steak night, two vouchers for a round of golf to the Keysborough Golf Course, and you and a friend get a Comics Lounge Gold Pass as well. A Cavalcada prize is there for you, Dan. Thank you for that. Uh, you were talking about um, uh, Wayne Rooney before and his ability to milk the situation and, and get the job done for his team. I was, I was thinking that when when Dan was talking about uh, the situation with with the victory, that we were talking about this against Perth the other, other mm. week when they were what two nil up or yep, something, two nil and up. they they end up drawing that game two all, two yeah. all late in the game. Mm. You've got to find ways to win that. Yeah, good teams find ways to win that, and they don't need to be focusing on one one decision because there's such a, a, a broad brush when you talk about decisions through a game of football, be they players' decisions or referee decisions. Yeah, you've got to win that game at three two. Mm. That's got to be one. That, that, it, was, it was a great goal by Ansel. If you remember the, the header in traffic, uh, emphatic header. And for me, my first reaction was, what great character this victory side's showing after what happened there. Yeah. And by the way, Sydney had a lot of the ball in that second half, and Terry Antonis was completely dominating coming off the bench. It just really played well. And, uh, and for them to come back and score, I thought, okay, this shows the quality of victory. Uh, and then they concede that really soft sort of headed goal, and I think a little bit, you know, not being marked properly, uh, smelts not being marked properly in the box. And I thought uh, Nathan Coe probably wasn't as nimble as he should have been across his line to get to the ball that just sort of looped in uh, into the goal. So uh, maybe a little bit of frustration there by Kevin because he knows that there's a few, a few errors there, but at the same time, the referees' decisions do not 
decide a game. And where I was going with the Wayne Rooney bit was not many people in Manchester are talking about uh, that penalty and that dive from Wayne Rooney because they won the game. Yeah. Had had the victory won this game, how big do you think this decision would have been? That decision on Saturday night would have been from from the ref. Oh well, how much coverage? It, it, it wouldn't have, have been as as, as big a coverage. And, and you know, uh, by the way, a lot of the coaches, especially. We're starting to mature a little bit from a coaching perspective that uh, Graham Arnold's the, the king of this. And I think Muskie and some of the younger coaches are learning also that if you can select an incident during the game and focus on that throughout your press conference, even if it's the journos asking the question, you're deflecting, yeah. but keep on focusing on it. These guys are very skillful. You're drawing away from the mistakes your team has made. Suddenly, there's only a, a finite period in a press conference where where journalists can ask you questions. If the focus is on just this one issue for the whole time, yep. they're not going to focus on your team's performance or what was bad about it. And especially if you're going through a slump, you know, maybe questions about your own coaching. So they're very, very good at deflecting from their own team. Yep. No one's talking about, you know, victory's, uh, you know, limitations or what Sydney did wrong. They're all talking about the refereeing decision. And I think that suits... The, the, the coaches after the game because there's no scrutiny on their own teams. Let's get to Chris and Taylor's likes. G'day, Chris. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Carlos. How you going? Yeah, good, good mate. Hey, a um, couple of things. The first one is uh, with referees. Um, they usually take up a sport at a young age, refereeing, and they really, that's all they do. They don't really play the game. They don't get a feel for the game. Whereas if you have an ex-player, for example, he has more of a feel for the game he understands how the players react to decisions and all that. I just think the um, the soccer should take a more thing out of the AFL where they encourage ex-players to get involved. Um, it, yeah. That's a good point there, Chris. But half you'd probably know better than me. How are the ex-AFL? I think Mark Fraser was an ex. Uh, Fraser was the first one that yeah. I can recall. What are they? Um, how do they perform? Are they? Are they? Are they any better? The, the umpires who are ex-footballers. Um, well, not necessarily, no. Not necessarily. Jordan Bannister of recent years, um, Fisher, Lee Fisher from St Kilda yep. is up probably these days. There's a few through the pathway. They accelerate through the pathway because yep. of they've got the background of the game. It's just a matter of being able to stop watching the ball and start watching the contest yep. as, as an umpire and, and all the things that go with that. I don't know. I mean, cricket do it really well. They try and get ex-cricketers involved. So there's but are, are they an, any an element of feel. I think an element of feel is really important for the contest. Yeah, I think it's just not about decision-making, though. And the problem we've got in the A-League at the moment is the perception that the referees are arrogant and the players are bitter about this. And so it's, about re- it's, it's, it's a bigger issue than just making the right call at that moment. Firstly, referees have got to realise that if no one talks about them after the game, no one notices them. Perfect. It's a perfect situation. Great job. So it's not about them, number one. Secondly, you've got to be able to handle five players who are really, really angry and in your face or even Can't. prevent that from happening in the first place. Why is there this such lack of respect? Yeah, that's a good point. So it it's drives more me to bananas, than, actually. Yeah, it drives it's me not, bananas. Yeah, it's not only about making the right decision at that moment, moment in time. Build that relationship you know, snuff things in in the bud. You know, to yep. make sure you you stop things early, and you're you're you communicate with players in such a way where it doesn't get to the point where they're mob handling in your and you're in your face uh, no, and, with that ugly, messy sort of uh, thing that we see different times. Now, I again, as I said before, I would be stamping that out of the game asap. If you come at mm. me with some real aggression, intimidation, you're getting a card straight away. Yep. 
And that'll put a stop to pretty quick. 12 to 2. We need to get to a break, Carlos. Uh, we'll talk more about the game, uh, the situation this week at play, FA Cup results as well, and uh, might even touch on Andy Keogh and Josh Risen. <laughs> uh, we'll see what we can do. Righto, Carlos. Uh, we've talked about Sebastian Ryle, and here's a little visit to the MRP this afternoon. Uh, Bessart Barisha will be uh, saying good day as well. What happened? <laughs> well, apparently he was just telling the crowd as he's walking off that his groin's right. <laughs> And he's only got one groin, too. <laughs> Sorry. What? No, he grabbed his, apparently, allegedly, right, he yes. grabbed his crotch and he's put up his middle finger to the crowd. So, from what I'm, I'm gathering, you know, there was nothing so nothing he's untoward. He's just saying, crowd, Sydney crowd, my groin's fine. And, you know, the one that I'm thinking of is fine. Right. So, yeah. Right. Apparently, it's a common thing in Albania. So, they do that. <laughs> So, Carlos, do you think that, um, tonight that he will be sanctioned? I think he will be. <laughs> and, and is it games or is it monetary? Well, I'd, look, he, he's had a bit of previous here. Remember uh, Pascal Boscart and he challenged him to a fight in the car park? Yes. And remember he ripped off that his shirt? He's a Brisbane role player, wasn't Yeah, it? that's right. Yeah, that's so, right. I yeah. think he got more than one week there. So, uh, so the prize might come yeah. back to haunt. Yeah, and also it's not been a good week as far as player behaviour on and off the field this week. Yes. And the FFA, I reckon, are a little bit angry. So they might want to... You know, uh, with Seb Ryle and Barisha and a couple of Perth Glory players. What did they get up to, the Perth boys? Well, apparently they celebrated their one-all draw in Adelaide uh, at the... Oh, what was it? Disco's name again. Disco. Yeah, it's a Disco, yeah. You. They're all Disco's in Adelaide. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it was one of the major Disco's. And apparently Joplin, the, the boys were drunk and disorderly. Andy Keogh uh, and also uh, Josh Risden. Yeah. Apparently, uh, the police were called in and uh, they were charged and they've got to front up the court in Adelaide. Now, for me, you know, as much as that you don't want to see that, but I'm thinking it's not the first time, you know, professional footballers in Australia, soccer players, have done that in public. But it's probably the first time it's been reported. reported. I'm thinking it shows the size, maybe that the game's arrived, that suddenly they're reporting on this behaviour. And uh, and so suddenly, uh, I think uh, you should be always celebrating that a little bit, saying that it's worthy enough to be to make the news. It's an interesting point. I was just, I can't remember who I was discussing that with at the start of the year. That uh, we, we, there's no, there hasn't been previously too many people that would know the effort, uh, the um, A League players out and about, mm. and therefore we don't sort of get the coverage. But this would suggest that there is more interest in covering these type of shenanigans. Yep. And people start are starting to be aware of who they are, which is clearly good for. For the game, because all of a sudden the guys in the nightclub that just is over there, fit-looking dude, yep. he's now that Melbourne Victory player. He's now yep. that Adelaide um, player. He's now that Sydney SC player. Yep. So absolutely, maybe that and is a, but, but a Perth have, Yeah, but Perth with they've got been cited, they've been issued a show cause uh, uh, notice uh, for their salary alleged salary uh, salary cap breaches. Yep. They've had the issue with obviously the two players in Adelaide. Um, you know, they haven't had a good week themselves. So um, yeah. And yet they're still atop the table. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of tables, FA Cup, what's happened there, Carlos? FA Cup, uh, a couple of uh, really uh, you know, hairy moments for some of the bigger clubs. But basically, we're down to the last four now. Uh, you know, the major results were, of course, Liverpool winning away from home, 2-1 against Crystal Palace. We got Manchester United, after a bit of a scare from Preston, uh, scoring three goals in the final 20 or so minutes, uh, 3-1 winners at Preston. And, of course, uh, the other big one for me, uh, sad, is West Brom beating West Ham 4-0. Oh. And, uh, of course, Aston Villa, who uh, have just changed coaches. They won 2-1 against uh, Leicester City. Of course, Mark Schwarzer, 42-year-old, uh, made a little bit of an error in yes. that game. 
uh, went around the world. And also Arsenal, very impressive with uh, Giroud scoring some a couple of great goals against Middlesbrough. So the quarterfinals now are Aston Villa versus West Brom. There's a derby there. Bradford City versus Reading. Liverpool versus Blackburn. And of course, the big one is Manchester United versus Arsenal. Uh, they, they Both those teams, given that they're probably not going to win the Premier League, will want to at least get the silverware with the FA Cup. All right, I want to come back after the break and I want you to tell me how pleased Central Coast are after their loss to Guangzhou <laughs> RNF. More after this. <laughs> 